We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kalzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, you survived Montreal, I take it. Uh, I did for probably the last time in a really long time. I don't know how long, but a while. Tears. Did you have a croissant? I d- did. I actually I didn't. <gasps> Sorry. Hmm. I know I, I I failed. I failed you on some level. <laughs> well, I hope you had a lot of fun. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of TV. Well, there wasn't actually a lot of quantity of TV. There was a lot of quality of TV and lots of ridiculous death and violence this week. It was a very violent week of television. It was a really violent week. It, it occurred to me by the time I, I got to Hannibal this week that it was a, an exceedingly violent week of television. Yeah, but we'll talk about that later. First, let's uh, talk about some of the comments and tweets we got from you guys this week. Uh, I heard from Ken, who introduced Ricky D., of course, our general editor at Sound Insight, to The Climb, general the editor. Miley... General editor, yeah, to to the um, Miley Cyrus song "The Climb," which he was not familiar with, and uh, so thank you for that, Ken. That was hilarious, and, and I'm also not familiar with. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, well, if you if you make the mistake of YouTubing it or hearing part of it, it is ridiculously sticking your heady. Um, I I know about it just because they did like four bars of it on Glee once. Um, anyways, and so because with the, of course, the Game of Thrones episode, The Climb, this season, those of us familiar with the song, The Climb, could not get it out of our heads. So Ken, Ken uh, was just sharing that to, to Ricky, and now it'll be stuck in his head as well. So that was that was a lot of fun. Also, he uh, we discussed um, certain events that I will not <laughs> divulge before we get to the correct uh, section of the show. About uh, Game of, Game of Thrones this week, Julius and Les and I talk some Hannibal, and uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that. Very gruesome episode. Manuel uh, says, "If only Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't uh, Hollywood royalty, maybe he could be the next Doctor." Though I doubt they'll have him play Sherlock Holmes and the Doctor, but he he would be fantastic. Is uh is is Chiwetel Ejiofor still on the table? Oh, I hope so. He's great. I would love to have him as the Doctor. Or uh, Idris Elba is another one I'm seeing. A lot of people mentioned. Wait, he's... He, no, not going to happen. Why? He's way too big a deal. Did you not notice he's in Pacific Rim? I don't care that he's a big deal. He's a really good actor. and He's really good. But... They need to make the Doctor older anyways, because he's been young too many times. They need uh, just a little bit, you know, a little more gravitas. But they can't keep John Hurt around? I don't... That's going to be a whole other thing. We can't get into it. Spoilers, sir. Um, Bruce was devastated by the events that shall not be named um, on Sunday. And Mario took the Televerse traveling gnome with him to Philadelphia and took pictures at the Liberty Bell and Betsy Ross's house and all sorts of different things. That was really cool, uh, Mario. So, um, unfortunately, I can't seem to share them on the Televerse page. So, if you would 
share them so that the other television listeners can see them on on our Facebook page. That would be that would be awesome. I was really glad that he got into that a little bit, and uh, we can collect a scrapbook of Televerse traveling gnome uh, pictures. And for those who don't know, that's the that's the prize for the Amazing Race pool, which Mario won last season. So someone else will have to unseat him as the ruler as the winner next season and then we can have more pictures and more fun with with nomi um let's see at sound on site we have started june so we have started pilot month and we already have how like five or six different reviews up i have at least yeah yeah i have my review of the cosby show pilot up and um there will be plenty more coming from People, other people, we have what suits and uh, Breaking Bad and Twenty Four and lots of lots of shows. So more going up every single day. Uh, anything else fun happening at Sound On Site? Uh, not that immediately comes to mind. We're uh, we're we're over at the actual Sound On Site podcast. We are uh, swerving away from Hollywood for a while. Uh, we heard the complaints, and we also uh, complained at each other a lot. So, uh, or at least I know I did. So we uh, we're we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna be doing any Hollywood stuff except for maybe Man on Steel, uh, Man of Steel, when that comes out. By maybe I mean definitely uh, that'll be happening. But uh, other than that, we're gonna be sticking uh, out of the mainstream for a bit. So, and I'm, I'm we still haven't done Upstream Color, which is uh, sort of ridiculous. But we're we're getting there. Uh, that should be fun, and I'll have to try to catch some of these other films. Are you gonna go see Much Ado when it comes out? I'm very excited. Uh- Maybe the the problem with uh, Much Ado About Nothing is that I don't have a screening, so it will cost money. Ah, I see. And uh, I, it's not something I have in, in massive supply at the moment. If anyone wants to send me some, uh, feel free. I will direct message you my home address and possibly my bank information, and you can make <laughs> that happen. Well, uh, at the end of the show, we're going to talk with Leanne Bonet-Starr, one of the senior editors over at HitFix, about Orphan Black Season 1, and also that uh, that finale, Endless Forms, Most Beautiful. But before that, let's get into our week in TV, and we're going to kick things off with the comedies. Now, normally, there's a 90-day waiting period, but in light of your uh, generous donation to the Guild Widows and Orphans Fund, we've decided to just go ahead and activate your membership. And this helpful orientation kit will bring you right up to speed on how we do things. The handsome toad is yours to keep as our gift to you. And here is your temporary guild ID. We'll issue your permanent one once you've decided on a villain name. Augustus St. Cloud. Ah, going with the real name, then. Very Lex Luthor of you. Say Cloud. So where are you? Like a weather guy? What are your powers? I have an inordinate amount of money. All right, well, let's talk Arches. This week for comedies, we watched Inside Amy Schumer, Gang B, dot, dot, dot. I don't know why they didn't just title that Gang Bang, but okay. Um, Veep, Shutdown, Family Tree, The Austerity Games, and Ven- The Venture Brothers premiere, What Color Is Your Clean Suit? What jumps to mind? What do you want to talk about? Oh, boy. Of the other shows that weren't Venture Brothers, I was probably happiest with Veep. Uh, Family Tree, I have to say, I, I missed last week, but I got back on this week, and the the monkey thing really is not working for, for me. And I'm hoping, actually, that they might ditch... It, it seems like maybe they might ditch that by the end of the season. That character might decide that she doesn't need that, which I think, if, if that's the arc they're going with for that character, I think that might be compelling, but... I feel like they've that's a comic avenue they've kind of driven into the ground. Yeah, I'm not uh, hugely uh, overwhelmed with praise for Family Tree right now. I, I do still very much 
uh, appreciate and respect all the people involved. So I'm, I'm kind of just sticking with it, but I wasn't really laughing this episode. Um, other th- I was enjoying, of course, Chris O'Dowd. You can't not like him. He's just too damn likable. Everybody likes Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I wasn't really laughing out loud. So I'm hoping that there's going to be more of, I don't know, a few tweaks to that as the season continues here. Um, yeah. Veep, I also liked a lot. Uh, we had different uh, favorites scenes in the episode i was really enjoying david rash i love every time he pops up on my tv and uh just his his scene with uh julia louis dreyfus was fantastic for me who was the standout for you uh i would have to say i i really liked peter gross who plays sydney the the guy that dan is sort of trying to get into bed with uh you know to sort of broaden his career prospects i i, I really loved every Hit the whole lobster analogy sequence was uh, was great. I don't know what it is with Ianucci and lobster gags, but there's there's a a memorable mention of lobster beast in in the loop as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I take it by your uh, unfamiliarity with David Rash that you haven't seen in the loop, which you really must rectify immediately. I I own in the loop. What? Oh, so, oh, I, oh, I don't know why you didn't recognize him. Then. I did recognize him. It's unfortunately he's. I need to add him to my rolodex of of character Back actors guys. who yeah. whose name I remember instead of character actors whose names I should know when I feel bad for not remembering. So, yeah, fair enough. Yes, I love in the loop. Rash is one of the few guys who shows up here who also has some dramatic chops as well, and he's definitely a a, a team player. So he's sort of like I, I I would classify him with like the Stephen Root class of mm-hmm. they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, I, I was also very happy with, with Veep, even if I do feel like this season's gone a little bit broader, which is both a good look and I think sort of prevents it from being as uh, just totally pitch black and awesome as uh, The Thick of It was, which I should really stop thinking about The Thick of It because this is two seasons in, but I can't. Anyway, uh, and I w- Amy Schumer also was, was a mixed bag as it has been recently. I mean, if you're going to do a Tignataro cancer sketch, you should really knock it out of the park. And this one, I don't think did that, which was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I liked the episode as I was watching it. I thought it had a, you know, a pretty decent uh, hit to miss ratio, like we always talk about with sketch shows. But, you know, a week later, there aren't very many gags that are sticking out in my memory. Um, so I, do, I am still very much enjoying it. I, I, I just enjoy her philosophy or approach on the show. It's just so refreshing, and I really enjoy um, watching it every week. But this week, nothing really, really stood out to me from that episode. But let's talk about Venture Brothers, because it is wonderful to have them back. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been three years. Like, the last proper season of Venture, Venture Brothers far predates this podcast, which is sort of, uh, which is actually a little bit depressing. But uh, I, I was very, very happy with, uh, honestly, only the Venture Brothers should be allowed to do double-length premieres, mm-hmm. because very, very few shows ever seem to make it work. Yeah, and we'll hear more about that later. Yeah, but... Uh, I, and I thought this just zipped by. Um, I was a little bit confused that there were scenes that seemed to take place immediately following Operation Prom, which was the finale from last season, and the rest of it seemed to immediately follow the Halloween special, and that you, you sort of just have to figure it out yourself pretty quickly. But other than that, uh, I was I was really happy with the episode overall. I'm glad they're they're giving Quizboy and company a little bit to do this season because they've kind of been languishing a little bit. And yeah, I, I love the Game of Thrones talk, obviously. Uh, it was a good week for, for some Game of Thrones-related levity. It was needed. Uh, I don't know if they planned it that way. Probably not. But um, I don't know. I, I just I love the show's blend of actually really dense plotting uh, with just gag-a-minute 
uh, with the sort of the, the gag a minute scripting and this super deep character bench, even though there's really only about four voice actors. Uh, also weird to hear Aziz Ansari show up because I don't really think of the Venture Brothers as being a show that is produced alongside other TV shows with, you know, contemporary figures, but still pretty cool. Yeah, I I have seen only some of the Venture Brothers. It's one of the shows I've been meaning to catch up with for quite a while. I, I tried to marathon the first season and it wasn't really working for me. The show was working for me, but the marathon style of viewing wasn't really working for me with that with that first season. So uh, I, I've yet to catch up with everything else, but I do always enjoy it when I watch it. And this was no exception. I I loved the St. Cloud, August St. Cloud was that. <laughs> Oh my god, what a wonderful character. So much fun and just the the perform the combination of the performance with the animation and the character design. Is that a new character or is that someone we're very familiar That's, with? That's we've never seen him before. He's a brand new arch for uh for Quizboy. Yeah, I thought he was new and that it was just wonderful. I was laughing my butt off. And uh same thing with all the happenings inside the the dome with the mutations and the very clean suits. I, I just, I really enjoyed this premiere. And um, it's just, it's like you were saying, it, the, it's very interesting. It's visually interesting as well as just the very funny. And they do have you laughing very regularly while also giving, you know, interesting character beats, uh, you know, as you continue. And that's tricky to do. And certainly, um, in a 45-minute episode, when you're used to 22 and it hasn't been on the air for three years, it might be easy to have that not quite work the right way or become a little tiresome or just, you know, as viewers, we're not in the habit of watching the show. We're not used to the show's rhythms because, you know, unless you've been marathoning it recently. Um, so I thought it, this premiere was fantastic and really got viewers right back into the show. Yeah, I, I'm really glad they started with their best foot forward because I, I mean, I've been praising the show for ages and you've barely seen any. So <laughs> I was like, oh, if this isn't if this doesn't rule, I'm going to feel like an idiot. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that all that that time off let them really uh, put together. Uh, if if it's all this good, I think we're in for a really good season. And also uh, there was something that that was kind of missing a little bit in parts of, of last season because the plotting was so dense was the character work. And we got a lot of that this week. And I'm 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 glad that they seem to have uh, softened some of Sergeant Hatred's uh, character elements that I don't find all that interesting or funny, and mm -hmm. that they weren't referenced at all this week. So, and I I forget whether the V on the face as opposed to the H is new, uh, but I also appreciate that. So yeah, lots of uh, lots lots and lots to like about about Adventure Brothers uh, for anyone who's even vaguely interested in, uh, I I guess, uh, deep mythologies or just Things or just that laughing are funny. a lot. Think, <laughs> yeah. Things that are funny and interesting and, and, and actually tell a story while trying to make you laugh, which uh, surprisingly few shows try to do. Yeah. So for me, it's a clear winner. Venture Brothers wins comedy this week. Yes, Definitely. it absolutely did. Okay, we'll take a break and come back and talk a little reality. Hang away for me to
that was Sasha Allen singing on The Voice this past week. They were down to the top six there, and um, it was all country this week, and most of it, people, the singers were flat. I don't know what's going on on The Voice stage, but even people who normally sing in tune were, were having trouble hitting some of the notes. This week, they're only eliminating one person. Um, Michelle rocked it and should stay. Sasha rocked it and should stay. Um, Danielle needs to have left a while ago, but apparently the show's decided she's going to win and the teeny bopper audience has decided she should win, even though there's nothing interesting musically in her performances. She's a very talented 16 year old girl, but she's a 16 year old girl. She needs more vocal training and she needs more life experience before she's, you know, taking on songs that are more complex and more emotionally dense um so so it's time for her to go but that's not going to happen so i would like to see uh holly and uh also amber this week i mean don't do patsy klein don't do crazy if you're not gonna really do it fantastically i mean it's such an amazing song and she's just you know she she got stronger towards the end of the performance but she's she was pitchy she didn't have enough vocal support to have enough uh, strength and volume on the lower end of the register. I mean, you've got to really, if you're going to do that song, you got to do it right. Yeah. Don't try the Gnarls Barkley crazy either. That one isn't much easier. No, 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 definitely not. So anyways, we'll see what happens with the voice, but uh, that was, that was my takeaway this week. Um, so you think you can dance. Did you check this one out? I did. Uh, it was almost a week ago, so uh, I apologize if it isn't totally fresh in my memory. But I will say we got uh, some excellent reasoning for why contestants need to be 18 and up. Yeah, definitely. One of the dancers, it was actually really impressive. Because in the audition process, the way it works for So You Think You Can Dance is everybody goes the first day and they break everybody into their into groups by genre. They get a group of 10, they put on some music, and they have to just improv something. And then from there, they are whittled down. They do a similar thing again. Then they're whittled, whittled down. And then that third, you know, the third round is in front of the judges. And that's when you do your solo. So you until you go in front of the TV judges, you have not done your solo. So if you need a partner, it won't have come up until then. And so one of the contestants this week, her partner canceled on her that morning. And so her brother stepped in and they learned a new routine in three hours that that morning and they they did a damn good job it, it however unfortunately this this beautiful young girl she's 18 was trying to wear nothing and she did not look good because of you know later in the episode you see her when she's changed for choreography and she looks way better but it's that whole um trying to look older trying you know and, and just in managing to make yourself look younger and also heavier than she actually is um but her dancing was fantastic so i look forward to to watching her in vegas yeah and the, uh, although i have to say the brother was just as impressive oh yeah damn good that kid yeah wow. i loved the uh the, them going okay by the way if the show's still on come back when you are eligible <laughs> if the show's still on, i have a hard time believing it won't be the ratings have declined pretty steadily really? in the past several years, which I don't understand because the show is so much better than Dancing with the Stars, and yet 
it doesn't get nearly the same ratings. Yeah, but it doesn't have stars, Kate. I need my stars. Especially if it can have that stars with a Z at the end. Um, yeah, there, there were some other really great dancers this week. Um, some nice, uh, some really interesting Latin uh, or ballroom kind of dancers. I really liked the, the tapper we got, though. I think the first tapper was a little bit better. But I would love to see the two of them doing some sort of a Fred and Ginger number. Uh I love tap dance, and it's great to see a couple of really good tappers this season. Um, also, the, uh, the 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 one guy who had the I'm just gonna call him hand feet. It was ridiculous. Did you see that that guy? Yes, I think I know who you're talking about. He's like laying on the ground, and he rolls up, and he's standing on his toes, but they're bent under. And then, oh my god, ridiculous, crazy. <laughs> yeah, not as crazy as the bone breaking, but pretty crazy. But less painful to watch. Le- much less painful. So Ooh. we have we have one more week of uh, of auditions. Those those will be in Memphis, and then it's on to Vegas. Do you have a favorite guest judge yet? Do you have any uh, people who have stood out on a whole? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I it's plus there's so many people who we haven't really seen yet at all. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd I'd rather not put my eggs in any baskets yet but uh i mean so far there there really are i I didn't find that the guy they i don't i'm not sure the guy they brought in this week i didn't find him necessarily as engaging as some of the others but there isn't anyone who i find actively annoying which for a show like this is remarkable i that was uh, adam shankman who did choreography for amongst other things the buffy musical and hairspray and many many other shows as well um i actually really enjoyed him this week i thought uh I thought he was a lot of fun, it's like getting out there with the lamp thing and uh, just his his energy. It was a lot. It was very infectious. It's nice to have a different um, a different uh, perspective up there. You know, seeing as he's coming more from the choreography world and from the Broadway world as well. He's clearly very knowledgeable, and I always enjoy when. I mean, I, I like the other guest judges who are, are there more to give. Uh, a, opinions on like they are fans of dance or they fans of the show and they're they're knowledgeable but not to the same extent that somebody like mary murphy who was a competitive dancer and the, and adam shakeman who's a choreographer so to watch to, it's always fun for me to hear get the guest judges talk about hitting lines or various things like that where you really get a sense that they know what they're talking about and so i i enjoy him for that although my my, my usual problem with with this show i a little bit more technical discussion wouldn't go unappreciated Yes, definitely. And I'm hoping we'll get more of that as we get to Vegas and we see people having to do uh, types of dance that they're less familiar with. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But one more week of auditions. I'm expecting Memphis to bring it. We'll see how it goes. We'll take a break and come back and talk some drama. I'm asking your advice. We have enough men. If Walder Frey cooperates. If Walder Frey cooperates. If reinforcements arrive from King's Landing before we take the castle, we'll be caught between Tywin's army and the sea. We'll lose the war and die the way Father died. Or worse. Show them how it feels to lose what they love. This week in drama, we have the pilot for Mistresses on ABC. 
The Fall, which is a UK production, did get picked up by Netflix and was released uh, the whole first season of five episodes. We also had Mad Men, A Tale of Two Cities, The Killing premiere, and Hannibal Buffet uh, Foie, or Buffet Cold. Uh, first Cold Buffet. Cold Buffet, you know. Uh, first, The Mistresses pilot. It's a pilot for a show on ABC called Mistresses. It's pretty much what you expect. <laughs> Um, uh, if you're looking yeah. for a soap opera this summer, if you've been missing Alyssa Milano in your life, I mean, I do like most of these central women, the performances. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's a summer series called Mistresses on ABC. I feel like that actually is enough of a review. So I'll just leave it there. We also uh, had the fall season one. So I checked out the, the first episode. Have you had a chance to watch this yet? Uh, no, are, are, but are we sure it's the first season or is it a miniseries? I've been seeing it described as, as series one, and I it did get I believe it did get picked up for a second series. I could okay. be wrong about that, but I believe this is a continuing thing, more like Rectify than Top of the Lake. Um, this is a show about uh, it stars Gillian Anderson, who of course we've been very much enjoying on Hannibal recently, but it, star- it stars her as a detective or a police inspector who is brought in to invest to, to Belfast to re- do a review of a open case. And basically it's turns out it's a serial killer and we follow her and we also follow the serial killer. So that's what the show's about. Um, I, I think the setting makes it a little more interesting for me because I'm not used to my crime procedurals or my serial killer shows being set in Belfast. And I obviously it has a very strong cast, and I, you know, so I so I think you know it is interesting, and I do like the I did like the first episode, but um, as, as for you know, it's nothing new, it's nothing groundbreaking. I I will check out the rest of this first series and report back next week. But um, yeah, while it's a little interesting to follow the serial killer as well, he's a uh, uh, a husband and father of two small children. Um, I don't, I just, if I'm going to watch a serial killer show at this point, it has to be more interesting than just, Hey, look, it's a serial killer. And this is, Hey, look, it's a serial killer and Jillian Anderson's going to find him. Uh, so that's a little more interesting, but, but it's not overwhelmingly so. So it's not your favorite serial killer show with Jillian Anderson on it is what you're trying to tell me. Yes, that, that is, that is true. Uh, before we get to Mad Men, it occurs to me, I would love to hear your thoughts on Game of Thrones, because, of course, we have the Sound Outside Game of Thrones podcast with myself and Ricky D. This week we were joined by Dave Fiore, and that should already be up in your feed, but I did not get a chance to talk to you about it. So what did you think? Uh, well, my thoughts are up in my review. I mean, honestly, I don't understand what everyone was freaking out about. I don't can't think of anything noteworthy that happened in the episode. It's as per usual. It's just you know people making a big deal out of nothing. I enjoyed so fully your just like mouth agape response when I was talking to you right after you finished. I believe my what I said was, yeah, we you know all this thing with the stuff the book readers have been talking about. We weren't kidding. Um, and so did it live up to all the years of hype? Uh, it did. Uh, but you know I, I will say something about book readers though. You can so easily divide book readers into assholes and not assholes mm-hmm. because I, I get that there are people who want to gloat a little bit and who like anticipate people's reactions with glee. That I get. 
uh, but the, but the subset of people who decided to make fun of people who were upset or to make fun of people who are especially spoiler reverse because you know, why haven't you read the books? Like some of us just, you know, some of us want to see this play out as a TV show and don't want to be spoiled by the books. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's been some dickishness, certainly, from from certain segments of the book reader population. And you're giving us a bad name. So hopefully they'll cut it out. I know. I, it feels as though, like, proof of basic literacy has enabled some people to behave that way. And that's that's not how it should be, people. Don't do that. Uh, I have remained unspoiled, though, so far, which I'm very happy about. And you're going to join us next week to talk about the end of the season. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll have more Game of Thrones talk next week then. Uh, let's yes. move on to Mad Men, A Tale of Two Cities. We had uh, Don going back out to California. And normally that's a very positive experience. Not so much this time. And back in New York, uh, we got m more time with Joni. It's been a while since we had a Joan story. So what did you think of this episode and uh, you know where we picked up on everyone? I think the obvious highlight is we get some Peggy Joan interaction, which feels like we it's been a full season since we've gotten that, at least in a in a serious way. And I thought every single one of their scenes together was just so great. And the fact that it ends in a relatively friendly fashion, I think, is is was great to see. I mean, obviously, uh, Peggy's still quite stern with her, but there's still a note of tenderness there. Uh, the latest Don Goes to California was probably the least interesting iteration of Don Goes to California. Uh, maybe they should just stop going to that well. But, uh, I, I mean, I did like the hallucination which brought back the uh, army vet, as well as that very strange appearance by uh, by Megan. But I'm not sure it really gave us anything new. I was very glad to see Danny Strong pop back up. I thought that was hilarious. Yes, that was great. That was great. And uh, I, I got to say, Petty, or, or just whatever that was on, on Roger, just it's not a good emotion for, for Roger. He looked incredibly, he was incredibly pathetic in that scene. Just, come on, just don't be a dick. Why do you have to be a dick? Yeah, come on. But I, I actually, I, I did like all the discussion of what to call the agency and the ultimate decision made seemed quite sensible, which is strange for a room of highly not very sensible people. And uh, I also really liked, I, I continue to really like everything we get with James Wilk and Bob Benson in general. I feel like he's been clearly the breakout element of this season. Yeah, I, I like um, that we get a little more time with him this week. I don't actually know, I know a lot of people are fascinated with what's the story there what's going on with bob benson i am fine just having that be an enigma i'm you know just having him kind of pop up coffee kind of like the, just sort of like the cheese man from restless and on buffy um, but uh uh but i wear the coffee the coffee doesn't wear me but um but no i i, I did like this episode it just i wasn't as bowled over as the last two episodes so i think it did kind of suffer by comparison i hope we get more from professional joan and I agree, it was wonderful to see Peggy and Joan uh, have some scenes together and really have each other as allies um, in, in those moments. And to, to have the tables turned a little bit where Peggy is the one who's more knowledgeable for once than Joan. And to, to see them support each other, I think, was, was, was really great. Yeah. The one element I wasn't crazy about uh, was, you know, I'm on the table as, I mean, I'm on record as being a big Ginsburg fan. I didn't like what they had him up to this week with. I mean, I did like his initial scene with Cutler, and I think Harry Hamlin's been a great addition and just so smooth. Like, he almost mm -hmm. outsmooths Roger, It's which is really hard to do. Yeah. Um. So, props. But I, I, to make Ginsburg go all the way from agitated to paranoid and a possibly even hallucinating 
is a little bit much, especially especially as he's apparently drug free. But uh, I mean, I watching him and Bob interact was kind of fun. But I, I would prefer if they got him down off that perch sooner. Although I did like Stan having to make an exit, I think twice. <laughs> I I thought uh, it was a good callback actually with Ginsburg to the uh, that conversation with Peggy forever ago about the aliens or whatever. I, I thought it tied in um, interestingly, and it was nice to see that come back in some small way. If they start hammering, you know, on that a little bit, I, I I'll. I think quickly sour from it, but just what we got this week, I thought was fine. And uh, I still continue to love uh, Stan and Peggy. I mean, seriously, Peggy, why are you still going to Chowguga for, for, for help on things? Chowguga, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, well, and, and it was a little bit disappointing to see her be so trusting this week, considering. Yeah. Consider, multiple times. Just considering. Yeah. 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 Let's move on to the premiere of The Killing. This was a two-parter with uh, The Jungle and That You Fear the Most. Now, I haven't seen any of The Killing until now, and it was the clear winner in the Make Kate Watch Stuff poll, so two-hour premiere it is. And uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Have you watched any of The Killing, and what was your take on this premiere? Uh, this should be interesting. I saw the pilot ages ago. Wasn't that impressed. I mean, I did like the atmosphere, but didn't really care about anything else. Uh, then I heard two years of bitching and then I felt justified in my decision, but then I started to see, I, I started to get the impression that they were basically just going to hit the reset button this season and also got wind of the cast that we were getting this time around. I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. I have to say, I think there are some clear issues with these episodes, which I'm sure we'll get to, but I think the, just the cast and the cinematography and the mood alone is probably enough to let me coast through this unless the plotting happens to get ridiculous, which apparently it very well might because it's Venus suit and she's totally into that sort of thing. So I, I'm 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 hesitantly optimistic, weirdly. Okay, um, I th I think that this is like you said a strong cast. My trouble with this premiere, besides you know, if you, if you want to make me not like your premiere, there's several things you can do. One of them is have a seemingly pointless rape. Just cause let's rape a child. Well, that'd be fun. Um, so, so that was not helping. That was at the end of the episode. And if I'd been engaged up to that point, I think that may have helped, but I, I really wasn't, I don't care about these characters and this, I mean, especially when you're selling yourself as a, a reboot, a, a reboot season, or, you know, I know we angered you with the Rosie Larson stuff, but we promise we're doing something new. Um, then the, the, you know, I think this episode needs to really engage you and while the performances are I think are good this is just um it felt like a very measured I guess or very restrained performance from our leads but there was nothing in the visual style it felt very dour I guess is the what I I want but without any particular element that piqued my interest and so you have a very gray setting with just visually you have very withdrawn and internalized character that I don't have any sense that I know. And then you throw a relatively run of the mill at this point, serial killer story to it. And I just, I'm not invested and I don't care. And nothing about this is going to make me want to watch this particular serial killer story when there are others on right now that are far more interesting. Yeah. I, I get the point and I, that, that, that I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think for me, it's like, where else am I going to watch, first of all, Peter Sarsgaard, 
who just I, I love that dude and I haven't seen him in anything in years for some reason and have him pop up here in a familiar capacity, but I think in a, in a slightly tweaked one, I think he's the character I'm, I'm most interested in, in charting the progress of. I really like Moreno's, but I really, really especially like uh, Joel Kinnaman, who I think is such an important element of the show because he's the only one who seems to be having any fun. And um, I, I, I just really like the balance between his sort of like uh, almost his, his sort of gangstery cadence, which is almost goofy. Uh, combined with his actually quite serious take on how to do his job and how to be a responsible cop. I actually thought that was quite compelling. Uh, I guess you didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 the scenes in this that worked for me were his scenes, and especially his interactions with what I take to be one of our protagonists, the uh, bullet, right, is, is what yeah. you know, the, that character goes by. And those scenes really did work for me. I was invested in Bullet um, somewhat as a character, and and I I guess I'm interested in in Lyndon as well. But there was I really did not engage with the the serial killer behind bars story or the 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 potentially wrongly convicted man behind bars, which is the Peter Skarsgård. Uh, Sarsgaard character and of course he's a fa- fantastic actor I've seen plenty of his other work and I, I very much respect him but I there's nothing interesting in that character for me I'm way more looking forward to watching Eddie Izzard come back on Hannibal next week th- playing a, a similar kind of you know penned up monster character well I'm, I'm not this. sure the characters are that similar but um I, well, I don't filling know it... a similar role on Maybe. a very different show um, I don't know, and there, there's all sorts of other little avenues that I don't really know where they're going with it yet that, again, involve actors I like. We have Hugh Dillon and Aaron Douglas. I thought their scenes were... I mean, I, I don't really know what part they could really have to play in this, so that struck me as interesting. And again, actors I don't spend enough time seeing on my TV. Elias Kateas turns up for some reason. Amy Simons turns up for some reason. Uh, just, you know, it was just Jewel littered State. with people I... Sorry? Jewel State. Yes, exactly. Just people I I don't see enough. So I don't know that that alone. I mean, I'm I definitely I have my reservations, and I totally see where you're coming from. It is, it's a very gray mixture that I think they're going to need to uh, do some rather. They're going to need to do some distinctive things with. But there were just lots of little moments I appreciated. Uh, I liked the scene with uh, Marie Enos and her son. I think she's very good in general. Although I do think that moments are actually overplayed for instance during her little uh, wedding toast when she sort of indicates what she's thinking about certain regrets that's just way overdone uh, mm-hmm. that I, which i suspect was actually a scripting issue surprise um but yeah i'm 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 i would really like to see them pull something compelling together because these actors all deserve that maybe there are just other issues that i you know having because i did like that scene with the son and maybe I just need to, I don't feel like I have any sense of the character. And so why isn't she moving to Chicago to be able to be a parent to her son, who she seems to care about very much? What She has nothing really holding her in Seattle. And I don't feel like we got a good set. I mean, by the end of the episode, she does. But in, in the beginning of, of the story, I'm not seeing a reason for that. So if I'm supposed to be invested with her as a thoughtful, responsible person who can't leave this this um, this case untouched because 
she's she's so dedicated I, I I don't know I don't feel like there's um and maybe this is just again a problem of jumping in on season three Mm -hmm. This could very likely just be a, I didn't watch the other stuff, so I'm not connecting with it. But if you did watch the other stuff, you're going to love it. It's very, very likely. Clearly, the answer is to go back and watch seasons one and two of The Killing. (laughs) No. Of course, you know, the other series that we've done this with where we jumped in in the middle have been Parenthood and Southland. And those both worked just fine if you hadn't seen the previous season. So, I don't know. I I don't expect to watch more Nothing about this made me want to watch more. And, um, you know, if you keep watching it, let me know if it gets awesome and then I can catch back up. But um, I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Let's move on to our next, uh, our our final drama, though, and that is Hannibal Buffet uh, Foie. And, uh, man, that was creepy. That was just, I was watching this at about 11 o'clock at night after a very long day, it started raining about the time that it's in thunderstorming about the time that it does in the episode. And <laughs> I was watching it with my sister and then my dad and they kept going, Kate. I'm like, I didn't know. I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know that this would be the week that Hannibal would become hands in front of your face creepy scary suspense show it hasn't been that before so i mean i thought it was very successful and very compelling and i really enjoyed air quotes <laughs> this episode i thought was really good um but but yeah i was not prepared for it <laughs> what did you think yeah i didn't uh, i also wasn't that prepared and i'm not easily spooked as you know uh i mean there were just certain details that were just I mean, I feel like I say this with Hannibal every week, but how did they get away with that? I mean, the arm flesh just slinking off like a, like an old sock. Oh, <laughs> God, the, 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 the shot of the head with the face. The, the, the Glasgow, the Glasgow smiles. Yes, that was. Oh, oof, yes. Every time that happened, every that time. That was roof. That was rough. Um, the I, I thought the casting of Ellen Muth in that role was kind of a genius. Uh, although somewhat thankless, but but pretty ingenious. It was great. She was playing George from Dead Like Me, and I loved that. I love the sense of humor of uh, of of Brian Fuller, and just that. And I, I imagine if he could have, he would have had the same actress in to play the the mother. I assume there was a reason that that couldn't work. But when we find out that her name is Georgia and she has this thing where she thinks that she's dead and she, you know, has developed uh, face blindness. So she can't see anybody's faces, including her own. And I, I, I thought that was just so wonderful. And, and the fact that the effort was made, even though literally 0.5% of the audience is going to know yeah. any of that. Yeah. No, and if you didn't know, it didn't matter. And if you did know, it was a fun little uh, Brian Fuller spotting, you know, on the side. It was just, it was just a great detail. So what else we what else we had this week? We had uh, I was so focused in on on Georgia or Ellen Moose performance. We I almost forgot we had we had more terribleness from uh, Hannibal. I thought the the first shot we get of the clock that Will has drawn from an external perspective was chilling. And then his later, the later reveal of Hannibal as fully aware that, uh, that Will is sick and just that he doesn't care and is going to have fun playing with him was, Ooh, that was tough. That, that, yeah. And 
it's it's also strange because it it feels as though in previous episodes we've had him we we've been meant to believe that he's had genuine concern and i i, I think this week the reveal that he really doesn't uh is much more in keeping with the character that i know <laughs> so um it'll be it'll be interesting to actually maybe go back and see previous episodes and see if there's evidence of that um so i i mean the the character is progressing pretty much in the way you would expect and that makes sense for what's going to come uh lots of sort of goofy foreshadowing in this in this episode also uh i forget what was the exact line but something about um uh please uh publish publish it posthumously hmm. for before who die well whoever comes first <laughs> et cetera et cetera uh, you know, obviously that stuff was goofy but effective. I uh, could have gone for more Caroline Devalna, but I always could. And by mm. more, I mean any. Any, yes. Also, more Jack would have been good. I like that he does express some concern here. I like that Will is aware that something is wrong, that it's a, the, a different kind of crazy than he's used to experiencing. I thought that was that was good. And... um yeah, I, I think this fits very. I was I was bothered by the shift in Hannibal and his relationship with Will, but with you know a little bit more time and perspective on it, I think it makes sense because I don't think he's capable of emotion, but he's very interested and intrigued by Will, and so this is just another example of being able to study him in you know in a different situation. So we'll see what happens with it. I really, it's just so stressful to not. <laughs> Be able to trust Will's point of view and to know that at any moment we could cut from watching Will stand somewhere to he's strangling someone or you're seeing a Glasgow smile. It's it's stressful as a viewer. <laughs> yes, it is. It's and it's highly unusual. And I guess this is as good a place to mention as any that it's been renewed. Which Woo! how? But okay. Yay! Let's don't 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 second guess it. <laughs> Uh, now if we yeah. can just hear about Bunheads season two, just, that's never going to happen. TV gods, um, it's 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 so so clearly not going to happen. But um, yeah, well maybe they could do a crossover. But um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I mean I guess the fact that Canal Plus apparently handles the production costs maybe that helps. Yeah. Maybe it's the critical acclaim. Maybe it's they just want something that anyone likes. I don't know, uh, but and and I guess the ratings have also stabilized or possibly even had a bit of an uptick, so that's good too. Uh, I look forward to years and years of kids getting horrible, horrible nightmares from parents who aren't minding the clicker box. <laughs> Certainly. Well, what wins the week in drama for you? Uh, I, you know, I actually I liked everything this week, but I'll I'll give it to Hannibal just for because I don't think they're going to be able to go this hard on the horror front. Uh, again this season i would be shocked i would be surprised if they did yeah i gotta i gotta give it to hannibal as close as mistresses was <laughs> yeah, yeah i got i gotta give it to hannibal that was oh, oh shutter shutter creepy yeah. shutter. so so very well done um but now a few show notes our intro and outro music is sweet petite by the bicycles you will can find a post up for this at soundonsite.org um there's also of course an mp3 and an m4a feed for the podcast in itunes please leave us a rating or review there it does help other people find the show and lets us hear from you guys we always appreciate that of course you can also leave a comment at sound on site or you can email us the televerse at gmail.com and then we are also on facebook and i will try to be a little more active now that we're 
in summer and there's a little less going on TV West try to be a little more active on the Facebook page as well as of course we're both on Twitter I am at the Televerse you are at Sucker Howell so what should our question of the week be well, uh, we are going to spend a lot of our shelf talking about uh, Tatiana Maslany. So I, I, and you know, we know that she's never going to, uh, you know, Emmys don't care about genre stuff. So I guess I, I'm just curious, what are, um, is there a performance out there that you feel hasn't gotten enough love from critics or from us? I guess we can as critics, um, you know, or official bodies of your choice. You know, who who falls under the radar? Excellent question. Let us know what you think. And now we will take a quick break, listen to some music and a clip, and come back with our season spotlight on Orphan Black Season 1, as well as, of course, the finale, Endless Born's Most Beautiful, with Leanne Bonet-Star from HitFix.com. Something really weird just happened at the train station. What? I saw a girl kill herself. Ew. Yeah, and she looked exactly like me. I've got to go up to a flat. thousand dollars in the savings account i have an idea sarah any second someone's gonna id the body and it's game over you're damn right you're damn right beth what's happened a lot you're not beth do you even know who you're talking to how many of us are there with the televerse this is kate kalsik joined as ever by simon howell and this week we are once again skipping the dvd shelf in favor of a season spotlight and here to help us talk orphan black season one as well as the finale endless forms most beautiful is leanne bonet star from hit fix one of the senior editors there thank you so much for joining us well thank you for having me so endless forms most beautiful orphan black uh, We've been just singing the praises of this show and, of course, particularly uh, Tatiana Maslany on the podcast for weeks now. This show really came out of nowhere for us. What was your what's your relationship with the show and what did you think of the finale? Well, my relationship with the show was I'm probably like everyone else. I was watching Doctor Who and it came on after. <laughs> and <laughs> I was immediately dismissive of clones i was thinking what is this boys from brazil this is not the 1970s it felt like a very dated idea um but it really was an issue of uh it looked kind of good and so i started watching and then i found wow this is a lot smarter than your average bear this is a pretty good show and then i got hooked but um i thought the finale the finale wasn't as strong as i think the rest of the season had been because there are a couple of gaps and they not gaps, I shouldn't say gaps, but there are a couple of moments where I felt like things had to happen to set up season two that were maybe not completely in character for one of the many clones. But Tatiana Maslany is amazing in this show. And the fact that she does so many different characters and does them all so well is really remarkable. And I know that this is a, a Canadian co-production, I think for the BBC, but it's, it's, there's not a lot of money, but they do manage. I think they spend it well in trying to make uh, all the many clones exist on the screen every once in a while. Um, 
pretty well. You know, it's, it doesn't look glitchy. It doesn't look cheap. And uh, that was true for the finale as well. It, it, it looked pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was it was entertaining watching them be a little self-aware. I thought in this finale where you have the the two hug and it, you almost feel like the show's winking at you or the was it uh, Allison or Cosima poured one one two, one of the clones poured a glass of wine for another of the clones and they're just some of the, you know, it's nice to see them all in the same scene again. It's been a while since Cosima's been back at, you know, in, in Minnesota. So having all of them on screen together was was really a lot of fun, and uh, no, it's just been such. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi geek. I love this stuff, and to see it done so well, and to see the number of times that this that this series, this first series, has has approached a an easy mistake and then avoided it. Yes, <laughs> has been very very satisfying. Uh, Simon, what did you think of the finale? The word smart's been thrown around a few times about the show in general, and I think that applies. I mean, I think it's the most important descriptor, and I think it extends to the finale. I, I'd like to think I know which gaffe specifically uh, you're thinking of, but I um, I mean, for, for me personally, the only thing I could have probably done without was the Ainsley sequence, which, I mean... It, I'm torn because as an individual sequence, it was it was hilarious <laughs> it was. And, and so well played. As for what it said about Alice and the character, I don't know if we needed that. I don't know if we needed it to get her back with Donnie either. And I'm not sure I'm crazy about Donnie as the monitor. Uh, as, as much as we needed a, a twist there, I guess, and it was too easy for Ainsley to be the monitor, it was so satisfying to have her go after Ainsley. And so to have that not be what's happening... Is 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 sort of is a little disappointing, and I and I did like the idea of Donnie as this guy who she's no. I, I, the fact that he's known her since grade school and is her monitor, like I'm not really too too crazy about that, to be honest. It does make you wonder. Well, how long has this been going on? How long do you have a monitor? Were these people? Well, everyone was. I get. Well, we haven't really gotten into some of the backstory for some of the other clones. I mean, we know Sarah was, I guess, off the grid. She was in a foster home. But then we have questions about Mrs. S. Um, you know, I, Donnie just seems like such a goof, and I guess intentionally so. Um, that wasn't actually the thing that I found disconcerting. I, I was a little disturbed that I felt Sarah made a really dumb move in that she broadcasted, you know, well, not broadcasted, but she, she, um, she told Rachel you know, I'm on to you. I'm not signing the contract, but she did it before she had Kira in hand. And that didn't seem like the smartest move for someone who is in so many ways, street smart mm-hmm. that she, she would show her hand before she, she actually knew where her kid was. That didn't occur to me, but that's quite true. I think that's a totally valid point. Yeah. I, I felt that was the biggest, um, especially because we know Sarah is so worried about Kira and everyone is worried about Kira and everyone is starting to understand her worth. And uh, I'm I'm very curious to find out what's going to happen with Kira. I think I I felt that when she got hit by the um, I guess it was an ambulance was that it or a, a truck? It was a van or something. It was a van. It was something big. Um, when she got knocked over, there was that moment um, in the operating room where the doctors say to each other, "Look at this," and you're like, "Okay, what was?" <laughs> And so, <laughs> come on, tell me what it is. But I'm hoping there are a lot of little elements like that in Orphan Black where 
it feels as if we're we're skipping over something or maybe they set something up and then forgot about it, which is something you get very used to in series television where, you know, there's a lot of, of cooks in the kitchen and maybe the intention was to go forward with this and then there was a casting problem and they have to drop it. And I feel that with Orphan Black, the thing that's exciting is I'll, I'll say, you know, I wondered if that was like a, a loose end that they just, they dropped the ball. And then they will pick it up two or three episodes later. So I'm always very optimistic that nothing so far there, there hasn't been anything that I say, Oh, that was stupid or, Oh, they screwed up there. And so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there will be a big payoff for a lot of things in season two. But yeah, I agree about Donnie too. I just feel like, you know, yes, we needed a twist there. And because we had so thoroughly, you know, uh, decided Donnie was not the person and it it was sort of a funny moment of her torturing him and and him being clueless the idea that he is the monitor is surprising but it's a little disappointing too I'm waiting for us to get a little bit more backstory about his and Allison's relationship yeah because all we know is that they were like high school sweethearts or they were in school together we don't know that they've been together since then and so with this information that he is actually her monitor and that he isn't particularly fond of her uh, necessarily, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's very likely that, you know, like if it turns out that they like dated in high school and then went their separate ways and then he happened to run into her later and they, you know, started back up again, then that is a lot easier for me to, to swallow because then it could just be very much so. I'm kind of hoping they're going to pull out something like that. I, I hope so. My question is, what the hell could they possibly have Donnie? He seems like such a goof. I mean, I didn't see him picking off anyone in Afghanistan. Which was exactly the reason that I never suspected him as the monitor to begin with. Just because he, you know, he doesn't really seem like the, the, the covert type. But, <laughs> but I guess that's, but, you know, that's why he works so well, I guess. He's the guy you don't see coming. But Yeah, uh, I mean... It is an effective twist. It's one that I think everyone's kind of grappling with. But, um, but yeah, I do feel like that is a big question with all the monitors. You do want to know. I mean, you can definitely see where Mrs. S probably has some kind of checkered past. She seems like a tough cookie. Um, Delphine probably got into some kind of trouble, or she feels she feels compelled, or maybe she thought she was in love with Doctor Leakey. I don't know. But um, although definitely she isn't anymore but i i feel like that is the thing i'm really interested in in season two just i want to know more about the monitors i feel like i still want to know more about the the clones as well and that's what is so fun about this show is you feel like every week there is some sort of reveal and you still feel there is so much deeper to go and there's another layer of the onion to peel back yeah well and, and when you go back to you know when you were discussing your initial take on the show if, like me, you, you didn't know anything about the show, you went in totally cold, and you watched that premiere, you don't even know it's about clones. It's only until, I think it's not until the second episode. No, third or fourth that they dropped the C-bomb. Yeah, there you go. Like, it, it takes a while for that you, that, like, at, as far as you know, it could just be a strange mystery about triplets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it, it very really... good at how they reveal. They they. They held on to uh, information for just long enough to keep you interested, but they didn't 
they didn't blow their wad, you know. Yeah, they they didn't blow their wad, and but they weren't lethargic either. They they the pacing was just right, and that's something that's that's so hard to get right with a show that has such that's so based in mythology and that has so much to reveal. Yeah. Well, I'm curious what you guys uh, think then of because of, of the earlier discussion about the monitors. I'm assuming Mrs. S is not actually. Her monitor. I mean, I don't. I'm curious. I guess read the very end of the finale because that could be Rachel called Mrs. S. Rachel called some anybody. We don't really know who. And they came and they took Kira. That could be Mrs. S. Found out that they were coming to take Kira, and so she left first and hasn't gotten a chance to get in touch with Sarah yet. That could be Felix found out something where he doesn't trust Mrs. S and he took care of it. There's so much that we don't know about that ending. Do you guys have any predictions or hopes or fears? I mean, the only route for Mrs. S that makes any sense to me as a character is that she is precisely as trustworthy as we know her to be, but, but she, but obviously there's things about her backstory that we're going to learn that will cause the clones to not trust her so much. But I, but I, I think that her goodness as a character will stay intact. I certainly hope so. I mean, I don't think, um, I think at some point maybe she was involved with all of the, um, the science of this and maybe at the very beginning when they were hopeful and was maybe more optimistic and there was an idea of, um, of really kind of doing something uh, for the betterment of society. I mean, she seems like a little bit of a hippie. And maybe her role initially was to to sort of help these, you know, to help Sarah or to help, you know, whoever to uh, or Helena or whoever she was involved with to sort of become fully developed human beings. And then she realized that the organization was not what it seemed. I mean, that that's the only thing I can think of is that maybe she was involved at some point early on and then realized what she was in and has been trying to protect Sarah ever since. It does make me a little sad feeling like, you know, initially we got this sort of picture of Mrs. S as being uh, not a great foster mother and that changed pretty quickly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm completely sold on Mrs. S going any particular direction, you know, because I feel like she, she was one thing very specifically at the beginning of season one and then she became something very different by the end of the season. So I think she could flip-flop again, too. I, I don't think it's that she changed. I think our perception of her changed because we, you know, Sarah is our protagonist, and so we are instantly, you know, we are supposed to sympathize with her or, or we or we feel that we should, but really she's not necessarily a great person. And yeah, or, that's and, true. Sarah's could, not a good girl. Or you could see how she would have been, to put it mildly, a handful to deal with growing like can you imagine her a little bit younger and even more rambunctious like so i i think you know mrs s has probably incredibly valid reasons to be you know very uh to be very tentative with her so i i, th I think you know we we're just getting to understand that three four or five episodes in i i, I think i think they handled that shift really well actually well and of course you got to remember sarah was with Vic the dick for years uh, yeah. and, oh, and, Vic. and, and the Vic we saw at the beginning of the series, you know, as opposed to the Vic we saw this, this week, as for Mrs. S, I, I'm really interested in that character. I very much enjoy Maria Doyle Kennedy's performance. Yeah. And, uh, and my only rule for this show is that they can't make Felix a bad guy ever. Oh, Felix no. always needs to be on Sarah's side. 
And yeah. and as long as he is always good to Sarah and good to Kira, that's the only rule that I have. And they can do anything else as long as they don't screw up that, that brother-sister relationship for me. I, yeah, I love Felix. I mean, between Felix and Allison, I think those are my two favorite characters, which I did not expect to actually happen, at least with Allison. I didn't think I would enjoy her so much until she really became sort of the comic relief of the show. Um, but Felix is just, he's funny and he has a dry wit and he sort of pops up when we need him. And he is so totally reliable and so uh, committed to Sarah that, yeah, there, there's really, that is the rule that if they can't do anything to take that away. Yeah. He's, he's the, the, the friend and sibling everyone wishes that they had, but I, I do worry a little bit though. And I, I've brought this up on the podcast before that I, I feel like they need to give him a little bit more of a dimension in terms of having his own life and his own concerns outside of Sarah. And I'm not sure how they can do that without it being a distraction uh, unless we get Felix clones, no. which I would totally be into. No, no, <laughs> no. as much as I would love to see the actor, but just a, a herd of rent. <laughs> no, no one else like, okay, fine. Yeah, I think that could be a spinoff. Yeah, when the show's over, I think uh, I think Gavaris deserves his own show. Of course, we this is a, as good a time as I need to mention. Once again, I have no idea how Tatiana Maslany does this really, and I, I I also don't really have a super strong concept of how they film it or w- the precise effects work or stand-ins that are involved. I kind of don't want to know. Yeah. I, I kind of just, it's one of the few times I can just sit back and enjoy the magic, even though I'm sure it's incredibly inexpensive magic. <laughs> well, and although I will say it isn't the, um, I mean, like, I feel like when you've seen this kind of twin stuff in the past, when you've seen, I'm trying to think of what that, there's was a parent trap. I mean, what are the, the other TV shows that are particularly, or not TV shows, but movies that are particularly dated where it's, back of the head of one person who's clearly a devil <laughs> talking to yeah. the actor. And I will say, you can tell that they spend probably whatever whatever little budget they have trying to make most of this look convincing. I mean, the hug was a little shaky. Yeah. Um, but they, they aren't cheaping out on this, which I'm very grateful for. Which is shocking for a Canadian co-production, can I just say? And, and actually, several things are shocking for a Canadian co-production. Uh, first of all, it's set in toronto it's actually it was a little unclear at the beginning because they were using sort of new york style signage and new york style police cars but then there's references to scarborough and 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 further scarborough oh, yeah they gave up on that pretty quick and then it, it was toronto <laughs> yeah which is which is i mean I, and i i always mention this but it's all shot in my hood too which is great yeah, um, when when Kira got hit by the van, all I could think was, that's where I get my coffee in the morning. Oh, then that happened. But, um, which is fantastic. You've got Canadian actors playing Brits, which is bizarre. I mean, it, they're they're great, but it's bizarre. Yeah, well, it's, it's so shocking to me, um, especially, I mean, there is such sort of a reverse snobbery, uh, you know, as far as anyone doing an English accent who is not English, is it's really not allowed. But, of course, Brits and people from Australia and New Zealand and everybody else can do American accents. It's <laughs> So it's nice to actually see that, hey, it can work in reverse. And really, Tatiana Maslany, I don't think I've heard a, a mistake. I don't think I've heard, like, a, a mistake with her accents. Or, or there maybe have been a couple that have been slightly shaky, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe I've been wrapped up in the storyline and I haven't noticed it. 
Well, we haven't just had her doing an English accent. We've had her being English doing an American accent. We've had her being Russian doing a British accent <laughs> and doing it badly on purpose. And we've had her doing a more posh British accent with this last clone. Like, it's just, you know, and you watch The Good Wife and Archie Punjabi can't even do American right still. <laughs> or Canadian. I've lost track. It's just so amazing to l watch her playing uh, uh, Sarah playing Beth and to hear, because of course the actress is Canadian and doesn't have a British accent. And then you hear as Sarah playing Beth, she's doing a Canadian accent and every now and again, her British accent slips through <laughs> just for yeah. a couple of vowels. And then it's back. Yeah. I mean, like that it's is astonishing brilliant. just accent work, let alone, you know, everything else that she's doing with her physicality and her performance. I mean, Rachel, this new clone, instantly felt f felt distinct and it would be easy for Rachel to feel like especially early Allison before we got to know her because they're both very um Stiff. cold and yeah and and withdrawn from the other clones at least and and so just like I I cannot say enough about Tatiana Maslany I was so glad to see um was she was nominated for some critics award recently and it was just wonderful that anybody is putting her name on a list of best actresses on TV right now because she's fantastic. Yeah, she, yeah and she... there is such a bias against anyone who's doing sci-fi, and I'm like, really? So you can be doing a medical drama, and because you're rattling off a medical jargon, it makes it more important. It makes it a more significant <laughs> yeah. performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's incredibly frustrating, and she is so deserving. And I feel that on my blog. I, every other comment is she deserves an Emmy. She deserves an Emmy. She deserves an Emmy. Um, will she ever get an Emmy? Probably not because uh, Emmy voters are going to say orphan black. Ew, that's some little silly sci-fi show and that it, it, it won't, it won't register, but it's a shame because she is truly a gifted actress and has clearly done so much research. I mean, she is really in every single character and she is on screen all the time sometimes more than once yeah and and yeah and she's juggling all these different parts and having to keep all of them straight as well as keep all the orphan black mythology and and, and storyline straight as well and she really doesn't miss a beat i just hope she's pulling five salaries <laughs> I keep thinking of uh Veronica Mars because of course after season 1 they changed up the structure somewhat due to just Kristen Bell being overworked because she was in almost every single scene. Yeah. And, and and then I think of this. Granted, it's only 10 episodes. I thank goodness it's only 10 episodes. But not only is Tatiana Maslany in almost every scene, she's in almost every scene. And fr quite frequently, in like half the scene, she's in it more than once. So yeah. I, just the, I'm just thinking of the number of hours <laughs> that, 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 that she must be working. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And and the other thing is, every time we turn around, yes, uh, yes, we have a character that dies, but then we have another one that pops up. So she is creating new people all the time. You know, it's not like she started out with a set mm -hmm. and that was it for the rest of, of the the run of the show. It's like, no, now we have Rachel. Now I'm still a little unclear on exactly what Rachel is. I mean, is she the first clone? Is she, I mean, she also looked like they had made her up to be a little older. I mean, granted, she's you know, wearing a suit and she's supposed to look, you know, like, you know, corporate, you know, material, but it also looked like they did something a little bit with her eyes, maybe to look like she was a little older, but 
she could just be the first clone or one of many clones or who who knows where she is in the uh, the lineup. I'm curious, though, like, why is she working at headquarters? Well, and I, I like the idea that Sarah isn't necessarily the original or that Sarah mm-hmm. and Helena weren't the originals, because I think that's actually more provocative and interesting. Uh, and and I, I hey, I'm I'm all up for more. I mean, if by the end of next season we have 13 clones. Fabulous. Fantastic. There is the point where Tatiana Maslany actually has a nervous breakdown, so maybe we should know. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. They can just use it. Uh, but oh, um, but uh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned art. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about art. That is, I think, if you have to pinpoint any particular weakness, and it's not even a weakness, it's just the police procedural aspect is we have sort of the dumb cops who, who just can't wrap their heads around it. And um, although I like art a lot as a character, I feel like he really has um, a fondness for Beth and doesn't know what to make of Sarah. Um, and he has really been committed to her and a good partner, even though he has no idea or for a long time did not realize that she was, you know, Sarah was not Beth, but um it's kind of like when we, we end up in the police station, I was like, oh, God, these guys are like a step behind. Come on, catch up, catch up. I, I was really glad, especially in retrospect, that they didn't keep up Sarah trying to be a cop for more than, I think, half the season. Because, first of all, because it was just really incredibly stressful to watch, for me yes. at least. <laughs> uh, and second of all, because it just, as a, as a character move, it just didn't make sense to keep her there very long. And I, I feel like other shows would have tried to do that for a whole season, if not longer. Oh my god, other shows would have kept it up until the very end of the, the run. I mean, like, the fact that they they set it up and then they realize that, you know, this, can, this cannot continue. I mean, the fact is... Um, you know, there's no way Sarah can fake her way through. Uh, yes, she can learn how to shoot a gun pretty quickly, but she can't fake her way through the paperwork. No one can teach her a lot of the different aspects. No one can teach her the jargon. No one can teach her how to act, and, you know, going to get coffee or where their normal coffee places. I mean, all of those little things. And there was an understanding of that. And I so appreciated they they didn't try to push it. And everybody's, everybody's antenna was up about about Sarah from the jump. Oh, my God. I, I, I just realized there's like another in a parallel universe. There's another version of this show. That's just like a police procedural for the whole mm-hmm. run. Like, she, she's a cop, but she's not really a cop with a oh. dark secret. I'm pretty sure that shows on USA right now. Yeah. Um, I think it is. The thing that I, one of the things I really appreciate about art and that's, this is also the performance uh, from Kevin Hanshard is that, and, and also maybe it's in the writing too. I don't, it's always difficult with television. If something isn't specifically text to know exactly where the creative impulse for it came, but I always got a very strong sense in the, in the early episodes of, of, of a long history between art and, and Beth. And there was, you know, maybe there had been the beginnings of a relationship that had been backed away from. Maybe they had a one night stand. Maybe they had just been, you know, good partners for a yeah, long time. Would, but yeah, there, I there would was go with good partners. Yeah, there was a real, real sense that that he knew her, or he had this very strong history and relationship. And the show didn't feel the need to to spell it out, or it didn't need, right. to, you know. And, and I love that attention. Just really, it builds the reality of this whole world. And now the way that they've brought in uh, Angela as his new partner, I love the quirk that she's like fascinated with morgue stuff. I thought that was so much fun. (laughs) Oh yeah. The finger straightener was a nice touch. Again, I I can't believe that orphan black is the first show to get to the finger straightener. Um, Uh, CSI must be so pissed, 
But, but, but I think that bringing in another relationship or working relationship with, with art that again, feels as easy and as trust, you know, trustworthy and, uh, as, as collaborative as, as he seemed with Sarah or with Beth, I guess, early on is great. And I really look forward. I loved the way that they ended that storyline in the finale, where it's like, that is not, uh, this is not just a triplet situation, is it? I, mean, I thought that was yeah. perfect. And I appreciate the fact that they didn't go storming up to Allison. They didn't, you know, they just were like, okay, we got to figure this out and then we'll, we'll proceed. Yeah. Um, although I did feel like, why did they need to bring in like a SWAT team to take Sarah down? And it seems like, can't you just <laughs> go pick yeah. her up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I would say for me, if there's a weak link in, in the cast or in the, in the current mythology, I, I would actually say it's Paul. Uh, who I mean Dylan Bruce is, is fine. So cute. <laughs> he he is very cute. He's got he's got the military pecs and all. But he, yeah, I mean the uh he just doesn't seem like that interesting a guy to me. I don't feel like they know who he is the way that, that they know who most of these other characters are. Yeah, and that was actually one thing that I found a little jarring in the finale. It's like I can't tell you about Afghanistan. I can't tell you about Afghanistan. Okay, here's what tell you about Afghanistan. Afghanistan. I'll tell you in the elevator. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so that just felt like a little bit of we had to vomit up some some uh, disclosure right here. In 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 retrospect, does anyone did anyone notice that we got a fairly graphic sex scene with them in the in the pilot, and then they never did that again? Yeah, and I of course I kind of wonder when they have time. That's true. Kind of busy. No, I I appreciate that though because there are certain expectations. um, I think that a lot of viewers have, especially for genre, especially for genre on a on a very uh, on the scale of things low rated network and Canadian drama on a very low rated network. And so to to back away from. You know, I no longer feel like this is a show that has sexy as one of its main descriptors. No. <laughs> yeah, because that can get a little old. I mean, I'm all for you know for sex scenes and for if it fits with the characters and the stories, that's great. You know, there are all sorts of different kinds of television that can be really satisfying and a lot of fun. But I get tired when it feels like uh, there needs to be uh, it needs to be a sexy procedural or a you know sexy crime thriller. So it's nice that they backed away with them. It's that. kind of surprising that that sexy isn't really a descriptor for the show when you've got, you know, Dylan Bruce and Evelyn Brochu and of course, Aslani and everyone is very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think there'd be a lot more sex. Um, and I'm glad there isn't. And I'm glad that, um, because that is sometimes the thing I find so disturbing when you're watching, um, any kind like a, a police procedural or, or any kind of television show where it's like, hey, you know, hey, we're in the operating room, but hey, let's go into the coat closet and have sex. Yeah. And you're like, you know, I don't ever, there are some hospitals that, that are fictional. I'm glad they're fictional because the lawsuits would be amazing. You know, it's like we have to, to give smoky eyes to each other over like somebody's gallbladder. And they didn't even wash their hands. <laughs> you're going to catch something if you go into that elevator at Seattle Grace. It's just going to happen. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, no, ew. Um, <laughs> but that—that that is the thing. It's like yes, it, and but when she was having hot sex with Paul, it it fed into the plot line. It made sense. It was like she was trying to play a character, and then discovered that she actually liked this guy. Um, and of course, now that's kind of established. I like you. You like me. We're committed. Okay, we have to run from bad guys, and we're yes. <laughs> we're busy. <laughs> we'll have hot sex later when everything's sorted out. 
Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. There are a few things we haven't really touched on. I thought it was great that they killed Helena. I yes. thought the performance was great. The character was really great, but it, we kind of reached the end for that character. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I was a little sad to see Helena go, but I absolutely understood there was nothing else for her to do. Um, and it was funny. I felt like Helena had become more and more sort of nuanced and sympathetic as we went, uh, as the further she got away from Tomas. And I, I thought it was tragic. And it, But even her death, it gave Sarah an opportunity to fight for Kira. It gave her something that she's going to have to struggle with, that she killed her her twin sister. I mean, forget clones. That was her twin sister. And, you know, I felt like that was the great thing about the finale is every every one of the clones had something that they are going to have to grapple with in the long term. Helena's death was was really nicely done and I think made sense for the character. Uh, the whole birth mother getting stabbed to death thing was brutal. Ah, and also it was a really bad week for stuff like this happening. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bloody. Let's see what else. in the. I, I guess the, the weakness I would point to the season is I think they need to work on their villains. Yes, mm. they do. Uh, I, I, there are so many great Canadian character actors, especially from genre stuff, that they could bring in for that. I mean, get in Callum Keith Rennie or get in John Piper Ferguson or someone else with three names. Come on, they're, <laughs> Although, they're not I, doing anything. I like Matt Frewer. I mean, that's Max Headroom. I love that they brought in somebody who has sort of this fun sci-fi background, and he's great. I mean, like, he is so smooth and so smarmy, and I think he will per- perhaps kind of blossom into even a a batter bad guy, you know? Yes, but I think they need better uh, middle management than Oliver. Was it Olivier or Olivier? Olivier. <laughs> Although I like that tale. <laughs> I, I like the tale. It just, it felt like they really wanted Eddie, Eddie Izzard and couldn't get Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Well, he's busy, but um, yeah, but that's the thing is I think they've opened the door. I mean, the further we get up in corporate, the more sort of bad guys are going to surface. I think the big bad has gotten a lot worse, especially now that Helena's out of the picture. She was the the villain really for much of the season. And now we realize she really is not the villain. There's a much bigger and it's, I'm assuming we'll return to Tomas and his organization as well. I mean, we have two sets of, of potential bad guys. Hey, why not add more next season? Come on. And more. Well, any final thoughts on the finale or the the show in general? Final thoughts. It's a great show. It's they've done an excellent job of the first season. Let's hope that they can continue to keep up this high standard for the second season. It's and hopefully Tatiana Maslany will survive. <laughs> and Simon, give her five Emmys. All, all the Emmys. All the Emmys. All of them. all the Emmys. All the Emmys for Tatiana. Well, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you online? Thank you. Yeah, um, you can find me at hitfix.com, Star Raving. That's my blog. It's Star with two R's like Ringo. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Television.